Hi, and welcome to Making Space with Jen Pilipau, a podcast about authenticity and the subconscious layers protecting it. Hello, and welcome back to the show. In the last episode, I talked about perfectionism being a personality layer that we unknowingly add. And in the first episode, I talked about why we add it and how it overshadows our authenticity. And again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes, we want more control on the dial of authenticity, but we also need to recognize that we created these parts of ourselves, these personality layers, to keep us safe for a reason. It was well-intentioned at the time. But at the time it was created, we were probably a lot younger, a lot more vulnerable. And now as adults, we are more resourced. We are we have a lot more agency. We know how to take care of ourselves. And we don't necessarily need those old protective mechanisms. So as we can start to bring more conscious awareness to it and the habits it creates, then we can start to have some more um, confidence in controlling it, more autonomy, more agency, so that over time it controls us less and we control it more. We operate it more like a dial, especially with perfectionism, because sometimes we do want that critical eye and that detail to look at, is this correct? Is this as perfect as I want it to be for this moment? And other times we need to rein that in and to say, you know, it's, it's okay to experience failure because we're learning something new and we're headed towards reaching for a new goal. And failure is a part of that process. And perfectionism is only going to obstruct it. So really understanding um, when it's a tool, when it's sabotaging, and operating it like a dial so that you can be discerning and have control over it and how you use it. And, you know, at this point, it might be important to clarify <laughs> what I mean by control, because so many of us that are perfectionists and people pleasers, we are really looking con- for control um, to feel safe because so many things feel out of our control and that out of control feeling can lead to feeling like a victim. So here's the distinct difference about control. We want to exert it in a conscious aware and discerning way meaning we want to have a clear understanding that what we're trying to control is within our parameters to control because there are so many things that are out of our control we can't control traffic other people their thoughts and behaviors and actions Um, some circumstances are completely out of our control so we want to take that power and agency and funnel it and funnel our energy in a way where we do have the control. And what often happens is that we try to use this control in this unconscious way. And what ends up happening is we try to control things out of our control. Things like trying to control how other people feel about us or think about us. And that's a hard one, I know, especially if we have this people-pleasing tendency within us. It can be this unconscious desire to control how people feel about us because we know that when we are acquiescing, when we are giving in, when we're doing things for other people that we know they want us to do, we're getting their acceptance and their approval. 
and controlling how they feel about us. But the truth is that is totally up to them and none of our business. And that's super hard to accept (laughs) at the same time. And here's the other side of it that I want to address. Anybody that feels like they are empathic, if you're somebody that walks into a room and says that you just immediately soak up all the energy of the room and take it all on as if it's yours, this is very true of people pleasing because you might find yourself in a situation where you're with somebody that you love and they're sad or they're disappointed or they're upset about something and what you want to do is take it away from them. You want to feel it so that they don't have to feel it. And of course, consciously, we know this isn't possible, but if we haven't created these healthy boundaries for ourselves, if we don't know ourselves well enough, then what can end up happening is we just keep trying to control in this way and we take on other people's emotions. And not only does it not help others, it doesn't take away their pain. We can never feel enough to take away somebody else's pain. It is exhausting. That is an exhausting way to live. So there is some value in learning how to just be a witness to their emotions without trying to change them or make them feel better without taking it on. And I know how hard this can be um, because here's the other thing. This is, this is such a practice because in that moment, you're holding space for their uncomfortable emotions, but then you're also holding space for what it's bringing up in you, all your emotions about, oh, I shouldn't be taking this on. Why am I taking this on? And that is a heck of a lot of emotion to hold in one moment. So we need practice. We need to go slow and we need to be aware and we need to understand ourselves. I know this is really true within our family and in the way that my family now, but also in my family of origin and how I grew up. And this really comes down to codependency, which is not healthy, but it is common. Um, That if somebody is experiencing frustration, immediately everybody is frustrated and there's no need for that. And I talked a little bit about this. I can't remember what episode, but finding the space when you're triggered to respond versus react. A reaction would be if you're co- if you have a codependent relationship with somebody that you immediately take on their emotions. And if we are aware of that because we have the self-knowledge in ourselves and we are able to remind ourselves to be in the moment and create some safety and pause then within that pause, you have the ability to then respond. You don't have to respond in frustration. You can choose to respond with something else, maybe with a a presence, a present moment where you can just hold space for somebody else's emotions without taking them on and without muddying it with yours. And which is just a long lead up to say that people pleasing is trying to exert control where we don't have it, which leads to feeling victimized. And when we feel victimized in our life, it is when the shadow parts can take over where we start to rely on old subconscious programming that 90% of us takes over because we aren't feeling safe and we repeat old patterns. So first, we don't always think of people pleasing like trying to control somebody else. I think a lot of us would say that we people please to make other people happy and that it's a good thing. (laughs) 
but what we're really doing is actually robbing somebody else of having their own experience. And then it robs us of living a reality that aligns with our truth and our authenticity. So I can give you a personal example here. And it is in hindsight. So, I mean, who knows what the outcome would have been? I never gave it a chance. But the way that I was in my last career, so as an executive recruiter for almost 10 years, basically the height of my people-pleasing and perfectionism, um, always looking to please, always trying to be perfect, always running this facade and wearing this mask of whatever it was that I thought other people needed to see in me so that I would be accepted, so that I would have a successful career, which ultimately completely burned me out. And I always wonder, of course, I can never know, but I always wonder what would it have been like had I just taken the mask off and had I been myself? I mean, one option would be that I would have failed a whole bunch, but instead of failing in private, which is what I was doing, and then I I would just work extra long hours or extra hard to hide it, which is probably not hiding it at all in hindsight, but had I just raised my hand to say like, this is too much and this is too hard and I need more training or I need help, I need more support, I would have had to effort less, work less, stress myself out less. It might have been more enjoyable. But the point is, is that I didn't give anybody I worked with the opportunity to help because helping felt like I wasn't living up to my expectations and that felt horrifying. (laughs) So it takes bravery to live like that, to take the mask off and to ask for what you need and to say no when something isn't working for you. And especially if we've been raised to believe or to not believe in our own emotions. Here's another quick story for fun. (laughs) I got married when I was 21 I wanted to say no to that engagement, but I didn't have a reason. My only reason was I didn't want to, and I didn't think that was a reason enough. And if we're not taught that our emotions are safe when we're kids, if we're taught to hide them, we're also taught that they're not important and they're not valid. And then when we get to situations situations in our life where people want something from us and we don't want that, we don't validate ourselves. We don't feel like that's enough of a reason. So we just do what they want. And we can get away with this for a while. I think that, you know, I got away with it until I was in my late 30s. Some people can do it for longer. Um, but we don't want to get away with it. That's the whole thing is that there is, that whatever you feel is valid because you feel it. And it's okay to disagree with somebody else. And I think that's the practice. And it is, it does take courage. And it comes, you have to overcome your deepest and your darkest fears and witnessing that shadow side. And, and we have to be okay with letting people down. And we have to allow people to experience their own emotions and accept that that's their own truth at that moment. And it doesn't have to change the way we feel. 
So let's talk about some of the telltale signs that you have tendencies towards people pleasing. And you might already know, I think a lot of people resonate more with this than perfectionism, where you kind of know that you're saying yes when you want to say no and you feel tired and you just want to stay home, um, but you don't really have an excuse and you don't think that just sitting on the couch is enough of a reason when it is and you can trust how you feel. Um, so people pleasers tend to have a really big heart. They tend to be very empathetic and they don't know how to let other people be responsible for their own feelings. That feels like their responsibility. They feel like they should be the ones to make people feel better. You want to help everybody. You would rather manage letting yourself down and those emotions rather than manage the emotions that come with letting somebody else down. It's kind of like this feeling of if I say yes and I just do it, um, I'll feel terrible doing it because I don't want to do it, but I can manage that. Whereas if you say no when somebody's disappointed, you don't know how you'll manage that. And what you end up finding is that because you're saying yes to other people and other things, you are contributing to their dreams, their goals, and your own dreams and goals are coming second or third down the line or not at all. The times that you've tried to say no have really backfired. They've felt really awkward. It's been scary. It feels super foreign and um, people don't like it. <laughs> Most people don't like it, especially if they too are people pleasers and they don't have boundaries and you try to make a boundary, they're definitely not going to like it. And you either don't know you're allowed to set a boundary or you know you're allowed and you know that you might even think that you're supposed to, but you're way too scared of how it's going to make other people feel. So you just keep sucking it up, even though it's killing you. And from what I've found from working with my clients and what I've seen in myself is that there is a breaking point to all of this. And sometimes what happens at that breaking point is the pendulum swings all the way the other way. So you start saying no to everything, but because it's still new and uncomfortable, you're doing it in a really aggressive and abrupt way that is really hard for other people to receive. Because you're afraid if you don't just get it out, that you might not do it. And if you're in that spot, I want you to know that it does come back into the middle. Sometimes we just need to go to the other extreme before we can land in the middle. And that is totally okay. And that can be part of the journey. And you know, another big part of the journey too is that as you start to learn to say no and you start to see other people's disappointment, you can start to give them space for that. You know, I, there's a lot of people in my life that boundaries are very foreign to. And when I create those boundaries, I know it creates a lot of hurt and confusion on their part. And instead of trying to ride in on my white horse and try to save everybody, which is what I used to do, I just let them be in their own emotions. And you know what? They do come around. This won't be true for everybody. And I'm sure there's going to be people in my life that they just won't come around. And that's okay too, but it's not up to me to, to save them. It's not up to me to come in and change the story for them. My role is to live within my own truth. And when other people don't understand it or they don't like it, 
to just let them have that space to feel what they need to feel. And if they come around, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. This takes time. It takes a lot of practice. And it isn't linear. It isn't like you just figure it out one day and boom, it's all easy peasy. There's twists and turns. And at every twist and turn, you get to learn about yourself. And that's what I think is so fascinating about personal development and why I love it so much is that there's no just getting somewhere and it's constantly learning and growing. And I think that's super fun. Okay, so let's talk about some of the symptoms to people-pleasing. And by symptoms, I mean um, because we're not living authentically, then this creates like a, a backlash in our life where there's this energy that still needs to be dispersed somewhere. And I think the way that I've seen it surface most times is through anxiety it's through apathy, insecurities that show up in relationships, in careers, in parenting. Um, burnout is a really big one. I think I talked about these in the last episode, and they're all the same symptoms. So what I noticed, and this this is really what I noticed being a weight loss coach, is that um, I want to say all of my clients, I'm not entirely sure if that's a, a true stat, but it feels true is that they would come to me saying, okay, yes, I want to lose weight, but here's why, here are my values. And all everybody had in common was this value of authenticity. I want to be able to live my true life. I want to show up as my true self. I want to take the mask off. And because that didn't feel safe to them, what ended up happening was they would overcompensate for it in some way. That energy had to go somewhere. And uh, this is where I, I'll get into inner child talk. Um, I hope that doesn't scare you. <laughs> I know that I used to think about inner child work as like a cheesy 80s self-help book. But um, here's, here's the pattern that I see happening is that we wanna be authentic. It's this inner desire that's why we're here. We want to be ourselves. But when we were ourselves, we weren't supported in that. And we want to be accepted and loved. So we act the way that will get us that support and love. But it's not us. And that creates an inner tension. And we can ignore that inner tension for a really long time because there's so many other things going on in our lives. We're going to school. We're getting our driver's license, we're graduating, there's other things happening within our family life that are maybe traumatic. Um, then we get into our 20s and we're having, maybe we're having fun, maybe we're having families, maybe we're doing both, maybe we're starting careers, same into the 30s, maybe even same into the 40s. And then at a certain point, things kind of slow down. We've had a lot of our first experiences we might be settled into a career or a job. We might be settled financially. We might be settled with our family and relationships or most of those things to the point where now there's this passage of time where things are clicking along and don't need as much attention and effort. And so then all of a sudden it's like, wow, cool. I've got this space where I can now focus on some new goals. Maybe that's 
a new health regimen. Maybe it's maybe it's a new career. Maybe it's a new learning of some sort. Maybe it's a hobby. And then you start reaching for these new goals. And you find yourself sabotaging. And you're like, why? I know what I want. I have everything that I need to get that. But something inside of me keeps sabotaging. What is this? And you start to peel the layers back. And you realize that authenticity is in there somewhere but it's really scary to show it and it makes you want to hide to be safe and there are so many different ways that we use external resources in a negative way to hide this could be overeating this could be overworking this could be shopping distracting yourself with tv or netflix or social media or with arguing with partners there's so many ways that we find that distract ourselves from this burning desire we just want to be authentic and that's where these subcategories of symptoms will come into play where you'll feel anxious where you you're not sleeping very well at night and so you get up and you have more coffee throughout the day to kind of keep going and then at night you're kind of this wired like you're tired but you're wired because you've had so much coffee and then so you drink alcohol to kind of wind down and then you get into this cycle and then it can lead to apathy apathy where it's like well nothing really works anyways so we're just kind of going through the motions and so how do you think you break this pattern or cycle i really believe in the power of the subconscious mind i think that A lot of us are walking around with this programming that we developed when we were so little and so much has changed since then within ourselves and within what's available to us. And in order for us to stop that part of us that is sabotaging, which, which I'm going to talk more about in a second, we need to let it know that we're safe and that we can take the mask off. And as we slowly learn to work this authenticity dial and this control dial, then our energy increases. As our energy increases, we don't need so much coffee. And the less coffee we have, the better we sleep. The less we need alcohol to wind down. The more we open the door to self-compassion for ourselves as we are learning new things. And then the more that gives us confidence and self-trust, the more we're learning about ourselves and all of this process. And then the more empowerment that gives us, the more self-liberation. And then as we get more of that, we get more courageous and more brave. And we have this increased aliveness within us and we start to prioritize ourselves and our self-care and our personal development, our goals and our dreams. And the best part about all of this is that as we do this and as we're living more authentically, it's inspiring to other people to do the same thing. Because believe me when I tell you, as you start making boundaries, yes, a lot of people won't like it, but a lot of people are going to be inspired and empowered by that and it's going to help them make boundaries. And the more people that are making boundaries that are true for them and in an authentic way, and the more that they're able to take the mask off and show up more authentically, the more trust they have to be diving into their skills and strengths and talents and gifts. And we are looking at a really fun place to live and be in the world. So I just want to jump back to that part I said about the part of us that is trying to keep us safe. And there is, I, I've, 
I call this my favorite RTT tool where um, it's called Role, Function, Purpose, and Intention. And it's a tool to be used in hypnotherapy in the subconscious mind to help the subconscious mind bring forward the part of you that is sabotaging you, the part of you that is is was created for a certain reason and we start to understand what it, what it thinks its role is if we created it when we were really young what was its role at that time and why and i will say again i'm not entirely sure of the precision of my statistics in this but i would say every single one of my clients that i led through rfpi at least once they would say that part of them is there to protect them and to keep them safe because nobody else will. It's just, I stopped being surprised (laughs) that this would always come up and I started to realize that there's this part of us that wants us to be safe. And if we're not getting that safety from ourselves or from the people around us, then we'll create a part of ourselves to do it for us. And it will often work like a charm as a child. And then as we get older, it gets outdated very quickly. And if we don't know about it and we don't know its purpose or that it's there or why it's there, then we can't update it. And that part will sabotage us thinking it's doing us a favor and keeping us safe. I think that's why I love that tool so much is it's, it's brings so much clarity to what's going on, what you're struggling with and because you created this part of you, you can decide what to do with it. Again, bringing in that empowerment that I think is so important and that self-liberation. So again, if this information interests you, I go into way more detail with people pleasing about, you know, um, boundaries, how to say no, the aftermath of that and how to deal with it. Um, how to love and trust and accept your own emotions and self-compassion. We go into all of this within my program, Making Space. And so that's what I would call the conscious part of the program. And then we also do a subconscious part to understand the role, the function, the purpose, the intention, what's happening, what clarity can we get from the subconscious mind and how do we upgrade it. And again, if you want more information about this program and what's included, you can apply to get some more information with the link provided with this podcast episode. So thank you again so much for being here, for listening to my ramblings. I hope you found some value in it. And if you have any takeaways, I'd really love to hear them. You can email me personally at info at uh, my handle at Facebook and Instagram is both at Jen Pillipow. You can DM me. I am the one responding to all those messages. I love hearing from you. I want to know what resonates. I want to know what doesn't. I want to know what you've tried. I want to hear it all. <laughs> this podcast is recorded in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional land of the Cree people and the homeland of the Métis Nation. If you're not sure whose land you're on, I invite you to get curious by visiting native-land.ca. The podcast music is called An Exciting Future by Elliot Middleton. Now go out and make some space for yourself. Mm-hmm.